The FT. Richard Mullinder is a former hostage and crisis negotiator. In his time as part of a special unit in the British Metropolitan Police, he helped coax suicidal people back from the brink and also negotiated the release of hostages, including in Afghanistan and Iraq. Listening, he says, has been key to this work and is an underappreciated skill. Today, he teaches it to business executives. I'm Emma Jacobs, and I discuss this work with him. So, Richard, how did you become a hostage and crisis negotiator? At the time, I was training um, advanced interviewing at Scotland Yard, and what happened was a colleague of mine, a friend of mine, was the unit chief of the hostage and crisis negotiation unit. And we realised in conversation that we were actually using the same skills, albeit for different reasons. And what he said to me was, would you like to come over and become a hostage negotiator and at the same time look at our course because I think at that time the course had come, it was still a brilliant course but it had come a little bit stale and I think he wanted to kind of update it a bit and I helped him update it and then did both hostage negotiation and became the lead trainer. And what do you think the key skills of being a hostage negotiator are? I think the key skill of all communication is listening. I think that's absolutely number one. I think, um, but I think also there's a resilience and an agile mind, I, I think, is the third. Um, by that. So the listening is you've got to be able to understand the levers, understand what's caused the person to be there, understand what their motivators are, and then understand what things you can use to get what you want to get, really. And then you've got to be quick. Uh, and by that, I mean the people who are, under, are in real crisis, they listen just as carefully as you do. They'll come at you in a number of different ways so they can attack you uh, verbally, I'm talking about, not, not physically. And and they're very fast, and you've got to be fast to come back. And and under that sort of pressure, often you make mistakes, uh, but not huge mistakes. But you can say something that is misinterpreted, whether it's intentional or or not. And you've got to be able to come back at that very quickly. And when do you think listening made a difference in that line of work? I can't think of a situation where good listening has not helped you have to listen i mean you, you put together a team of two normally but four certainly in london and three of the team are just there to listen they're just there to pick up on those things to pick up on the words that people give away and then use use it to their advantage not and i don't mean for the team's advantage but to the person's advantage our job is to get someone out of crisis our job is to work out what it is that's put them in this crisis whether it's a suicide or whether it's someone who's taken someone hostage and then you've got to think, right, OK, what have they told us about themselves or about the situation? Where well, we can then turn that and find an alternative way to them getting what they want. So it's not about us getting what we want. It's also about them getting what they want as well, but in a different way to what they've chosen. What do you think the do's and don'ts of listening are? I mean, we've discussed the difference between looking like you're listening and actually listening. I think the thing is that most people don't really listen at all well. And that sounds really arrogant. It's not meant to be. But the problem is most people don't have an outcome. You've got to have an outcome. You've got to know what you're listening for. What am I listening for here? What am I trying to achieve? In order to be able to identify and select and interpret those keywords, you've got to know what are the keywords and what you're trying to achieve. So if I'm in a suicide intervention and I want to get someone off a bridge, I'm listening to the words that are going to enable me to get them off the bridge. We have words like, I love my kids. So that gives me a lever with their kids. Christmas, so this time of year, is a lever in itself. If someone wants to kill themselves at Christmas, you know, you kind of, you can always put it onto him and say, you know, or to her and say, look, you know, 
your kids are going to go through their whole life at Christmas. All they're ever going to think about is you killing yourself and not talking to them. So you're going to use that to your advantage to get this person off the bridge. And what do you think the mistakes of listening are? The biggest mistake that people make is, is they think they understand what the other person means. When I talk about being sad, if I say I'm sad, my heart hurts. Now, if you talk about being sad and you say, oh, I know what it's like to be sad. Really? Do you know what it's like to be my... The FT. Richard Mullinder is a former hostage and crisis negotiator. In his time as part of a special unit in the British Metropolitan Police, he helped coax suicidal people back from the brink and also negotiated the release of hostages, including in Afghanistan and Iraq. Listening, he says, has been key to this work and is an underappreciated skill. Today, he teaches it to business executives. I'm Emma Jacobs and I discuss this work with him. So, Richard, how did you become a hostage and crisis negotiator? At the time, I was training um, advanced interviewing at Scotland Yard, and what happened was a colleague of mine, a friend of mine, was the unit chief of the hostage and crisis negotiation unit. And we realised in conversation that we were actually using the same skills, albeit for different reasons. And what he said to me was, would you like to come over and become a hostage negotiator and at the same time look at our course because I think at that time the course had come, it was still a brilliant course, but it, I don't know, say Chelsea Football Club, and you start saying, so why do you support them? You know, I can talk about why I support them, but that's not what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about Chelsea Football Club. That's the important thing, is, is let the person talk about what they want to talk about and then really listen to what they've got to say. And then you can always go back and find out what you want to know. Someone told me about scuba diving. What they said about scuba diving was that um, if you're frightened of heights, scuba diving is really quite scary because when you're kind of lying along the top of the, the ocean, you're looking down, it's like looking down a mountain. Right? Now, I was thinking about that and I thought, I really want to know what that feels like. But that's nothing to do with scuba diving. That's to do with me wondering what it's like to look down the side of a mountain. So if someone starts talking about scuba diving, the first thing I say to them is, so what's it like when you're like looking on the top of there, looking down? But that's all about me, what I want to know, not what they want to talk about. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to read more about Richard Mullinder, read my article at www.ft.com forward slash listening. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.